Today's scripture reading is going to come to you from Izzy. This is uh, Izzy's first week on staff with us is our interim youth minister, and he did a fantastic job, and we're so excited to have him on board. And so he's going to lead us in the scripture reading this morning. Izzy? Good morning, church. All right. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the, wor- to the world of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from he... Oh, sorry. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and freed, freed us from our sins and his blood, and by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You may be seated. Thank you, brother. All right, we do have kingdom kids today. And so I want to invite those kiddos who are four years old through second grade to come right on over here and join our Kingdom Kids workers. And when they head out, they're gonna be going next door to our education building downstairs where they're gonna have a chance to learn and worship at their level and so they're gonna have a great time over there. And parents, you can pick them up after service today. And if I remember the schedule correctly, and I'm sure that I do this time, you're gonna be hearing from some of those kiddos next Sunday because Our kids are going to be doing some special music, and our youth are going to have a little presentation for Christmas next Sunday. So something we get to look forward to on the 10th. All right, so I know what you may be thinking, which is it's Advent, it's Christmas, and yet we are in the book of Revelation. And I had the same thought. We are going through our Bible reading plan together. We've read through the New Testament together. We uh, have gone uh, from January, and we're near the end, and we're reading now in the book of Revelation in that reading plan. And I thought about that. I thought, well, maybe we should put pause on Revelation and do some kind of Christmas Advent series. And I prayed about it, and I could be wrong, but I just thought, you know what? John himself says, you are blessed when you read and hear read the Word of God in the book of Revelation. And so I thought, well, hey, let's be blessed. That's, let's be blessed this Christmas through the book of Revelation. But often enough, uh, we avoid this book, and I didn't want to do that either because we're blessed when we read it, but sometimes we avoid it because it can be one of those books that can be hard to understand. And I thought, let's take a few weeks together 
and talk a little bit about this book, how it can be a blessing to us and encourage us in our faith, because it is an important, a very important book in the New Testament, and we don't want to miss it. So we're going to push on, and we're going to cover this for the next few weeks together. And so even though it's Christmas, I hope you'll allow me that, and I think God has some things he wants to say to us in the scriptures, and I do think from the promise of God's word, we will be blessed because of it. All right, let's pause, and let's pray, and let's dive into Revelation. God, there is no question that you are good to us. I think of the words of James that you are a good father who gives good gifts. And there is no greater gift given to us than your son, Jesus. And so in the hustle and bustle of this season, and all the things that we may have churning up in our lives, I ask, Father, that you draw our attention to that great gift that we would celebrate him, that we would worship him, that we would point to him with our lives, that he may be at the center of all that we do and we think and we say, that he would be the reason, not just for this season, but for every season of our lives would be a season focused on the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would use this incredible book here in front of us to do just that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, three weeks is not nearly enough time to talk about Revelation. Back when the pandemic hit, I was trying to figure out, you know, what, what are we doing? And I wanted to continue to have an opportunity to, to teach and preach God's Word. So I thought, well, I'll start and uh, like a like an online Zoom kind of Bible study, and I wasn't sure what to do, and so I asked Jackson, my son, who's who's 14 now, and I asked him, said, "What do you what do you think we should do a study on?" And he said, "Revelation." And so I said, "Okay, um, that was not my first choice, but let's do it." And so I did Revelation, and I took uh, right at a year to teach through verse by verse the Book of Revelation. If you are inclined to listen to it. Or maybe you just need something at night when you can't go to sleep and you just need some background noise. You can go to fbckennedy.org slash revelation. There is no S. There's only one revelation. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But it's revelation. And it will take you to all, it will have all the links. You can listen to all of them verse by verse. It's even got some really great resources for free on there. You can check that out and uh, get, get free resources to help you study the book of Revelation. And I think, uh, I think it could be helpful to you because... I wanted to mention that because there is no way I can do this book justice in three weeks. I'm just going to try to do some flyby, land on a couple things that I think are super important for us to pay attention to in our world today. But if you want more, maybe this whets your whistle and you say, I really want to say this more. Go there, check it out, get the resources, and I think it will be helpful to you. Second thing is based on some of that research, I was going back through some of my files, uh, looking at some of the things I used for that study. And I've came across a few. I thought, you know, these are really good. I'm just going to go print those out, and I'm going to uh, provide them to you today. So if you want a little handout that's going to give you some basic information and how to read Revelation and some background on it, if you want to take a handout, I put several uh, different files together in one handout, and you can pick it up at the table in the back where the lamp is. Just go by and pick one up. It's got lots of words. If you like to read, check it out, and I think it could be helpful to you. But today, 
I had thought I'll cover chapter one through chapter three. We'll talk about the churches and all that. And, and after working through, I just thought there's no way I can do all the churches. Let me just start with chapter one. Let's just get the big picture of Revelation. And then maybe next week uh, we may look at the, at the churches. I'm not sure what, how the next couple weeks are going to play out because we have so much to cover. But I definitely want to get a basis. We want to start with this beginning, this, this chapter one of Revelation that's so important. And let me just point out a couple things along the way. First of all, we understand that this was written by a guy named John. And uh, there's, when it comes to authors in the Bible, a lot of times there's dispute. Who wrote it? Was it that John? Was it this John? Or was it somebody pretending to be John? And uh, most of the time, I just kind of land on whoever the, throughout Bible or throughout Christian history, whoever they said wrote it is probably the one that wrote it because they knew and they were closer to that time. And, and most of the folks who came right after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection would say that this John that wrote Revelation is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John and the same John that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And this would be one of the apostles of Jesus, one of those 12 folks that Jesus called out for this very important and specific mission to take the good news of his life, death, death and resurrection into the world. And so that's one of, that's one of those apostles that, that God chose and that Jesus called the Apostle John. Now, what we read in chapter 1 is that John is not just sitting home uh, all cushy and comfortable writing this letter. In fact, what we read is John is in a place called the island of Patmos. If you don't know what that is, it's a penal colony. In other words, the Romans took a little, little island out here in the Mediterranean and said, all those people we don't like, but we don't feel like killing ourselves, we're just going to put them out on that island and leave them for dead. That's their punishment. Well, John was there. That's where he was, on that penal colony island of Patmos. He's left there because what we read in the scriptures is because of the word of God and his testimony. In other words, Rome had had enough of John and his preaching, and so they abandoned him out there to die. So that's what's going on in John's life. And what's really incredible that we read in, in John chapter 1 is if that was me, I would be like, woe is me, or I was like, Will that lizard taste good? Let me try it. I mean, I, my mind would be in a million different places. But let me tell you where John was. John was aware that on this day, it's Sunday. He calls it, the scriptures call it the Lord's Day. You know, Sunday is often referred to as the Lord's Day. You know why we, we call it that? Because it was on Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. He died on the cross on Friday. We call that Good Friday, not because it was good for him, but because it was good for us. Saturday he was in the tomb, Sunday he rose again. So Sunday became the Lord's Day, and it became an important day of worship for the Christians. Whereas Sabbath for the Jewish folks, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, now for the church, the day of worship becomes Sunday, and they call it the Lord's Day because it's the day in which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And John knew what day it was. Even in the chaos and, and difficulty of his life, he knew what day it was. It's Sunday. So what's he do on Sunday? He, he does what you did on Sunday, and, and praise God that you're here, because he did what you did. He got up and he said, I'm going to go worship. That's what I'm going to do. I'm sitting here left for dead, all because I'm a Christian, and I told people about Jesus, but today's the Lord's day. It's not about me. I'm here to worship. 
And so we see that he's, he's worshiping in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's having just one of those moments. I don't know if you have ever had one of those moments, whether it was a camp or a revival service or a Sunday morning worship service or you're in your shower and you're listening to worship music or, or you're in your car and you're listening to your favorite song and, and you're just worshiping and, and, and you just feel God's presence with you in that moment. God is here with me as I worship him. I don't know if John was singing songs or not, but he was worshiping. And as he's worshiping, he has this encounter with Jesus. Verse 10, on the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, Ride on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. All churches that existed in John's day. All churches that existed in what we would call modern day Turkey. And churches that are listed not in alphabetical order or order of importance, but listed along a postal route. Because from the island of Patmos is John gets that letter over to uh, Asia Minor then, Turkey today. It would hit one town and travel to the next all the way and make like a circle. And so it followed the postal route. And this letter was to be read in all seven of these churches. And as John himself said earlier in the letter, he wants these folks to be blessed, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Here's what John knew. God was up to something. He also knew that it was really hard for his friends in these churches. Sometimes it's hard to see that God is up to good when there seems to be so much bad in the world. But John could see it. With the help of Jesus, John could see it. John could see God is up to something. He's up to something good. He's going to take this chaos and he's going to make everything right. And he wants them to know that because if you go and read the letters to the seven churches, some of them were hanging in there and doing good. But a lot of them, almost all of them, I think all but maybe one, Jesus had some hard things to say to them. That, hey, I, I know you're under persecution. I know you're under temptation. I, I know in the midst of this difficulty, you want to listen to this person. You want to listen to that person. But they're not telling you the truth. And Jesus is calling his people through the pen of John to hang in there because I'm up to something. Good's coming your way. I'm, I'm going to make the world right again. And I just need you to hang in there because it is tough. In some ways, as you read Revelation, you get the dis distinct impression it's tough and it's going to get worse. But hang in there. Don't give up. And one, one word of explanation I want to give here is, is Revelation is a very interesting book. And it can be read in a variety of different ways. Some are more valid than others. I remember growing up and I was reading, how many of you ever read the Left Behind series? Anybody ever heard of that, read that? Okay, a few of you, all right. It's a very interesting uh, set of novels that took an understanding of Revelation and just kind of created a storyline out of it. And they just kind of said, hey, here's what it could look like. Uh, and I thought growing up, that's the only way to interpret Revelation. Like every symbol and sign and number corresponds with some future event. And it's going to be very specific and detailed. And, and there's going to be all these connections. If you put all the things in the right order, you'll figure out the end of time. 
And that's how some people see Revelation. After I've studied it and looked at it more and, and really read it and now having taught through it, taken a year, I come to understand that that's probably not the most accurate way to look at Revelation. The Left Behind series is probably not the most accurate way to understand uh, how this book actually is put together. Uh, and I want to share a little bit of that with you, but if you get the handouts and you go to the website, you can learn more. I'm not trying to tell you what to think. As always, what I want to tell you is I hope you'll listen graciously to what God has put on my heart, but I hope you'll then go home and study it faithfully for yourself, all right? So that's kind of the goal always, always in every sermon is that you be generous in your listening, but then you be dutiful in your approach to what was said from the pulpit after the sermon is over. So I encourage you to continue to do that. But let me kind of tell you how I un have come to understand Revelation. It's not my own unique view. There's others I've studied that say, okay, well, that seems to make more sense of the scriptures than that approach. And, and it begins with this, is that Revelation is written in a, with a particular genre or literary style. And sometimes we think of the book as a monolith. It's just one book. It's all kind of the same stuff in there. It's just, you know, telling stories and whatnot. And if you've actually read the Bible, you know that's not the case at all. The Bible is very, very, I mean, it's, it's so cool. It's so awesome how God brought all these different genres and literary styles into one book. Some of it's history. It's telling what happened. You know, some, some of it's, you know, like you get into Proverbs and, and it's giving you wisdom sayings on how to live life. And you get into Psalms and it's like, it's like a prayer book and it's prayers and songs wrapped in, into one. And there's other parts in the Bible that, that read like poetry. And, and then you have books that are prophetic and they're kind of talking. Of, it, it's, it's God delivering a message to his people through this prophet. Sometimes that has to do with future events. It's, but a lot of the times prophecy has to do with right here and right now. Here's what God wants you to know which is a change in thinking for a lot of us because we typically think of prophecy as only foretelling the future. And a lot of prophetic words in the scripture is foretelling the truth from God. It's not necessarily about long into the future. Revelation is a little bit of those, but it's its own thing too. The only thing like it is at the end of Daniel. And at the end of Daniel and Revelation, they follow a particular genre that's important to understand at least a little bit about it, and that genre is called apocalyptic literature. And you've probably heard that, for, that, uh, uh, that term before, apocalyptic, right? Like, well, what, do you th what do you think of when you hear the word apocalyptic? What do you think of? Just shout it out. Wake, wake your neighbor up and say, hey, time to, time to pay attention. <laughs> I, I asked for it. That's my fault. I should have known better. Most of us, we think about a, a huge battle at the end of the history of the world, right? That's what, that's what we think of when we think of, of apocalypse. This literature is known as apocalyptic literature. Where do we get that from? We actually get it from the word revelation itself. The word revelation in Greek is apocalypsis. And what it means is a revealing of something that was previously hidden. Revelation is a revealing about what is taking place and what is, in the words of John, soon to take place. And as you read the scriptures as a whole, you get the idea, or as you read Revelation as a whole, you get the idea. It's also, it's really about the things that are going to take place at the end. So it's about what is now. It's about what was. And it's about what is to come. Does that sound familiar to you? It should. We read it. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. I think it's one of the best ways to think about Revelation. 
It's about what was. It's about what is. In other words, it's about what was taking place in the lives of these churches in John in their day. But it's also about what is to come. Because that's the kind of God we have. God exists in the present with us. But he's also in the future. But he's also in the past. He stands apart from time because he created time. So there is no part of your life or mine or human history in which God does not exist. That's good news. And he is communicating this truth to John to churches who are going through extreme difficulty. The the Romans were persecuting them, killing them for their faith. It's the very reason that John is on the island of Patmos in the first place is because of his testimony about Jesus. And he knows the churches he cares for in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, are going through similar difficulties. He wants them to know this. He wants them to know God has always existed. He is with us now. He will always exist. Don't give up. I know it's hard, and it's going to get worse, but there is good news coming. Sometimes that is such an incredibly important and enormous message. That everyday words just won't be enough to communicate it. It's such a heavy thing. It's such a heavy topic. It's so complex and so meaningful. That just saying that wasn't quite enough. God in his providence gave them a way of explaining these things. That were truer to the situation they were in. That took account. For their moment in history and took seriously what God was going to be doing in the days to come. And so they use apocalyptic literature. They use these amazing pictures and numbers and, and stories. And, and it's, it was almost like in today's language, it'd be like thinking of like a political cartoon. Like you get this picture and you get these few words, and, you, and, and if you existed today, you would kind of understand what it meant. But if you looked at a political cartoon from 100 years from now, maybe even 100 years in the past, you, you wouldn't readily understand what it meant. You kind of had to get in it to understand it, right? Apocalyptic literature is kind of like that. You've got to kind of get into it and understand it a little bit more to unpack it. And we don't have time for all that, but let me just, let me just tell you kind of the, the, big, the big picture is that it's a way of saying someone is revealing something super important and we need to hear it. Apocalypsis, revelation, is Jesus coming to John, and this is why we call it revelation, not revelations. There's not a multitude of revelations There is one revelation. There is one thread of human history that God is weaving. One grand narrative, one big story. And it's about one person. So Jesus is both the the one who is doing the revealing and he is the one for whom the revealing is about. He's the one telling the story and he's the one for whom the story is about. Does that make sense? So he's saying to John, let me tell you about this stuff. Because their world is shaken. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that, that feels a little bit about like our world today. It, it feels shaken. There's even in our own country and you look globally and, and multiple wars happening on our planet. And 
and our world is shaken. And, and when something is shaken, what should we do? Naturally, we will shake too, unless we have something solid to hold on to. Am I right? That's why they put those handles in the car, you know, so when your spouse is driving, and you know, you know they really shouldn't be driving, right? Everybody knows that. And they're driving, and you don't know what to do, and the car's weaving in and out of traffic. You grab that handle. You need something solid to hold on to. Of course, that's attached to the car, so it does really no good. But when our world is shaken, when we're turned upside down, when we're vibrating, you know, just, uh, we need something solid to hold on to. And John's saying, Jesus has, has something to say about that. Jesus wants to reveal some truth to us that we need to know. So this is a credible uh, vision that, that, that John has. And this is, a, this is a part and parcel to apocalyptic language. You have someone, some heavenly messenger, some almost mysterious figure bringing a, a word, revealing truth to someone who is then supposed to take it out to the world to see. That's exactly what's taking place in, the, in John chapter 1. Jesus is coming to John, giving John this, this vision for what was, what is, and what is to come. And, and what do you think happened to John? He was like, oh, that's cool. Let me write a note. No. Verse 17 when, when John gets this vision from Jesus, what happens? When I saw him, I fell at, uh, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But Jesus didn't leave him laying there in fear. Instead, he, he placed his right hand on John and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Death and eternity, in other words. Hades is another way of talking about eternal darkness in a place we often call hell. He's saying you're looking at the world, you're looking at the mess, you're, you're maybe overwhelmed with, with the persecution or the worry or the fears about the future, but I got this. That's essentially what he's saying. I hold the keys to death and Hades. It may not be, but I think it should be our two greatest concerns. Death and Hades. Those are pretty big things, right? It may not be our death, it may be somebody else's death. It may not be our eternal destination because we're Christians and we know that we have heaven in front of us. It may be someone we love. But of all the things we could be concerned with in our lives, I think death and Hades should get to the top of the list. And Jesus says through John, yeah, but I'm in charge of those. So it's okay. I got this. I've always existed here now, I'll always be here, no matter what you go through, no matter even your greatest fears, death and hell itself, I'm never not in charge. It's one of the great truths of Scripture and the great truths of Revelation and the great truths that the churches needed to hear then, and I think it's the same message we individually and we as a church need to hear today. Jesus is still on his throne. He is the King of Kings. He has authority over all things. 
Nothing takes place outside of his will. He's got a future greater than we could possibly imagine, and he's going to take care of it. Whatever he wishes to pass will come to pass. Nothing is outside of his control. And praise God for that because it seems like there's so much outside of our control. So many things that we would change if we could. Differences we want to make but seem to can't do it. There's nothing outside of what God can do. I want to point out one last thing that I think is of great comfort to us. In the midst of lives that may be in turmoil, our world that certainly seems to be in turmoil. Jesus says, using some of this interesting language, uh, one key note when you read Revelation is oftentimes uh, John will define his terms. He will, he will use some of this vivid language and then he will tell you exactly what those things mean because it's been revealed to him by God. Look at verse 12. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among, the, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Here, here's something that's interesting. What book of the Bible do you think either quotes or alludes to the Old Testament scriptures the most? Which one would you think? In the New Testament. What New Testament book do you think either quotes or alludes to the Old Testament the most? What would you guess? Say it out loud. Just use context clues. This is not a trick question. All right? Revelation. You may not have known that coming in, but you know it going out. This Son of Man is a reference to the Son of Man referred to in Daniel, and it is Jesus himself. He's dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like white wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars coming out of his mouth with a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. This is a not literal picture of Jesus, but it is an accurate picture of Jesus. John saw Jesus in this way that was mind-blowing. And so it's no, no wonder that he was so fearful. What John didn't understand is that, yes, Jesus should be feared, but not by him. Because what does Jesus say to him? He says to John, don't be afraid. But John had a proper response for someone who didn't know it was Jesus, which was fear. Here's what I'm getting at. What we are told in Revelation is that this Jesus, who is so incredible and so powerful, King of Kings, the one that we read at the end of the book is the one who comes again and conquers all evil and sets up an eternal kingdom. That Jesus. We are not to fear, we are to follow. And that Jesus is who every enemy of yours and mine has to deal with. But for our sake, for our part, this Jesus is the Jesus who is among us the one who is with us just as he was in the spirit on the lord's day on an island left for dead he found jesus was with him and he has the same message to the church he says church and in that description i read we read what do all these things mean 
Look at verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I just want to focus on that last part. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. And we read in this chapter 1 that Jesus is among those seven churches. Jesus is here now. He is with you now. He is an ever-present loving yet fierce warrior on your behalf and for the glory of God. That is who he is. And so like the churches that John references, we may be living some uncertain times personally. We may be looking at the world and just feeling everything's out of control. But let's also get the bigger picture of what John is saying, of what Jesus is saying, is that the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come is on the throne, and nothing will ever change that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this incredible, incredible book. Yes, the Bible as a whole, but Revelation specifically, I pray that we would be blessed by hearing the truths we read in it. That you have scripted out the end of human history. And you know the end of our story. And you are present and at work. And you are bringing about good for us and for your glory. And so, God, we hope in that. We hold on to that. That's what we grip and we do not let go of. In a world that shakes us, in circumstances that shake us, you are our rock upon which we stand. What can we do but give thanks in the name of Jesus? And God's people say together, amen. It's our time of invitation.